Chapter 32 of House, Garden, and Field by L. C. Meal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Frothing Hopper. Never surely was a common native insect so ill off for an English name as this. Cuckoo spit, which is best known, suggests a ridiculous fable. Frog hopper, which Kirby and Spence employ, is almost equally unmeaning, though less nauseous. Fabre, to whose French readers cicada is a familiar word, has coined the pleasing name of cicadelle, but cicadelle would be unintelligible on this side of the channel. The name of the systematists, Afrophora spumaria, which being interpreted means foaming, foam-bearer, does not help us in the least. On thinking the difficulty over, frothing hopper seems to be a tolerable name, which will at all events do quite well for the short chapter now in hand. In May and June, one sees almost everywhere in garden and field little masses of white froth, about as big as nuts, which cling to plants of many kinds. Searching the froth with a camel hair brush, or even a grass stem, one soon discovers that every mass of bubbles lodges a grub, sometimes more than one. The grubs are green, with yellow eyes, and measure perhaps a quarter of an inch in length, more or less according to age. The froth, when wiped off, is soon renewed, and if the operation is carefully performed, so as not to injure the grub or its food plant, the secretion of a fresh mass of froth can be studied without much difficulty. I was curious in the first place to find out where the liquid came from and how it was mixed with air so as to form a mass of bubbles all of the same size. The liquid might possibly be exuded from the mouth. It was most unlikely that the air issued from the mouth, for no insect is known to breathe through its mouth. On observing a larva freshly cleared from froth, it was not hard to see how the thing is done. The abdomen narrows behind, and the last joints are capable of a telescopic movement. The larva raises and extends what we may call its tail, and then withdraws it. A pouch, with a two-lipped opening, is placed at the extremity of the tail. This pouch opens whenever the tail is raised, and closes when it sinks. Every time the action is repeated, a fresh bubble is formed. Within the pouch lies the end of the intestine, so that we can to some extent understand what goes on, if we are at liberty to suppose that a sticky fluid is continually passed out from the intestine, but of this I have been unable to get direct proof. Undoubtedly the pouch is lined with a sticky fluid, whatever its source, and the air comes from without, being enclosed by a liquid film at the moment of the closing of the valve. The different writers who have described the frothing hopper give quite contradictory accounts, and Fabre is the only one whose statements agree with what I have seen. Shelter within a mass of foam has become necessary to the grub of the frothing hopper, and it dies if its protecting envelope is removed. The skin is so thin that the body soon dries up. It seems probable that the artifice of a covering of froth was adopted in order to defend the insect from its enemies, and the purpose is attained, though not with unfailing success. Predatory insects of the wasp kind and insect-eating birds have been seen to pick the grubs out of their hiding places and carry them off. Like many other insects of the hemipterous order, the frothing hopper feeds on the juices of leaves or soft green stems. It is provided with a flexible proboscis, well adapted for piercing. When the fresh hatched grub has found a convenient place of abode upon a green shoot, it drives in its proboscis, and without moving again, feeds upon an inexhaustible supply of sap. 
When summer is at its height, the frothing hopper undergoes a change of form which almost amounts to transformation. The hind legs of the grub are replaced by a pair of much greater length, which are adapted to leaping, for though the adult insect has wings, it generally moves by leaps. The change takes place within the frothy mass, which hardens externally and encloses at this time a large empty space. When the fully formed insect becomes free, it justifies its name of frothing hopper, for in late summer it hops about the bushes with much agility, taking leaps of several feet when alarmed. The female at last becomes so laden with eggs that she is unable to leap any more. It is said that the eggs are laid in the earth and hatch out in spring. Full-grown frothing hoppers continue to feed on the juices of plants and occasionally exude drops of liquid from the intestine, but they never blow bubbles. Naturalists who can use the microscope will find the hind legs of the full-grown frothing hopper an interesting study. Notice the spines which hinder the foot from slipping at the moment of leaping and compare them with the corresponding parts of a cricket. End of chapter 32